This AIM Hometown Innovations podcast is sponsored by Indiana American Water, providing quality water and wastewater services for more than 1.3 million residents across the state. With more than 135 years of experience in the industry, our team of dedicated professionals is ready to help you find customized solutions for your water and wastewater challenges. Reach out today to learn more at 317-995-2410 or visit us online at indianaamwater.com. Welcome to AIM Hometown Innovations Podcast. This podcast is designed to offer insights, best practices, and innovative solutions for the challenges facing Hoosier cities and towns. Each edition will offer ideas and inspiration while showcasing the talent and commitment of Indiana's local leaders. Enjoy the program. Welcome to Ames Hometown Innovation Podcast. I'm Matt Greller with AIM. Got a great guest with us today. Joining us is Mike Rutz. Mike is CEO of Ames, one of Ames' newest corporate partners, Make My Move, and and uh, really the the man behind the the program that's starting to gain a lot of traction uh, around the state, uh, especially with cities and towns, about how we can bring talent into this into the state and into our communities. Uh, Mike, before we get into exactly what Make My Move is. We were at a session a week or so ago and heard some pretty cool statistics about the number of remote workers, both pre and post pandemic. You mind sharing those again and, and talking to our audience a little bit about uh, how we've seen such a drastic increase? Sure. Uh, well, first off, thanks for having me, Matt. We uh, yep. appreciate it. Um, yeah, you know, uh, we always knew that there would be a workforce and, and population, you know, issue coming into the 2020s, at least, you know, by 2015 or 2016, it was very apparent um, that we were going to have issues. What we didn't realize that there was going to be a pandemic that sort of accelerated that. And um, not only did that exacerbate, you know, workforce uh, issues, but it also completely altered the face of how people work today. Um, <clears throat> we went from 5 million remote workers pre-pandemic to over 60 million in a matter of weeks once the pandemic had sort of taken, taken full course. Um, every indication that we've seen in terms of polling and surveying numbers is telling us that the number of remote workers after the pandemic has run its course is gonna remain around 40 to 45 million people. Um, so just an enormous, enormous jump in terms of people that are working remotely. Um, and, you know, we talk to anyone who does recruiting, they'll tell you, you know, the first question they're typically getting from candidates is, um, hey, you know, uh, uh, is the job remote? Um, so we actually went out and did, did our own um, survey. We worked with a marketing research firm. And it actually showed that 58% of the people who have full-time remote jobs today said they would leave their job if they lost their remote privileges. And when you drill down into Gen Z, it's 81%. Um, so <clears throat> um, it's just a, a generational change, happened very fast overnight. Um, a lot of employers and, um, and communities are, are uh, working on adapting right now, but um, it certainly seems to be something that the workforce likes 
And I don't think it's just a trend. I think it's here to stay. Yeah, this kind of hit home really quickly last night. In fact, uh, I was sitting around with my son, who's uh, just finished his junior year in college, and a couple of his friends were over. And all three of them have, you know, great internships this summer. All three internships are with, you know, Fortune 500 type companies, and all three are completely remote. Um, you know, and so they were talking about their internships, but then that quickly segued into a discussion about what are you going to do after next year? And, and the first thing out of one person's mouth was, I'm moving to Nashville, Tennessee. And, and another person said, well, I may want to stay in Indianapolis or I may go to Chicago. And then the third person said, I'm going out west. And it was just a, a great um, reminder of, I think, <laughs> how fluid uh, the job markets are and, and where people live today. You know, so how do we get these current workers who are in the workforce now, but also the folks coming into the workforce to choose Indiana? What motivates them to make that decision to come here? Well, um, first to back up what you're just talking about there, um, uh, you know, I'll, I'll cite a lot of numbers today, but um, it's just because they're so mind-bogglingly large. 37% um, of college graduates in 2021 took a full-time remote job which is staggering. In Indiana alone, that amounts to about over, a little over 10,000 students, right? Every year going into full-time remote jobs. And then around 20 million of those plan, 20 million of the people that are remote workers plan on moving in the next three years. So it's given them this entirely new capability to kind of move and live wherever they want to live, right? They're no longer limited by, well, you know, I got a job in Boston, so I've got to move to Boston. You know, they can work for a company in Boston and live wherever they want to live. So that's the, that's the reason why we started this business is because we saw a real opportunity. Um, we, we understood very quickly that communities aren't great at marketing themselves, right? That's not one of their core competencies. One, being able to, to um, understand what message is going to, um, is going to be meaningful. Um, and two, being able to identify a target audience that might be interested in moving to your community. So, you know, to me, job number one is actually just getting the word out, you know, and marketing your community. Um, it's a really, really important activity if you're trying to generate new residents. And we've got this really awesome uh, new market of people, remote workers that are suddenly, I, I call them geographic free agents, Right. They can live wherever they want to live. And if you're not out there competing for them, then you're not going to get them. So job number one is market and ask. Make sure they know who you are and ask them to come live in your community. It's that simple. Unless you're their parents and then they want to go as far away as possible, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as long as you're not paying for it. Well, that, yeah, <laughs> that's a good good segue. What, what is Make My Move, formerly TMAP? You know, what, what is it? What's your program? How does it work? How does a city or town official uh, get engaged in, in the product that you're uh, pursuing, et cetera? Sure. So what we've created is a platform where communities can market themselves um, to workers who are remote and who are looking for a new place to live. Uh, we have over 130 communities on our website, and you can see that some of those communities are actually offering incentives. And those incentives can be hard dollar incentives like a stipend, you know, that can help subsidize the move. It could be tax credits um, or it can be a soft incentive, something that has some monetary value, but 
doesn't really cost anything. For instance, Pat East down at the mill in Bloomington, Indiana, is offering free co-working space, which is worth $6,600 um, to those workers who relocate to Bloomington. And that's working out really well too. So, um, so our platform enables these communities to be able to merchandise themselves and all the wonderful things about their community, all the cool people, all the stories and the history, all the neat places that they have, basically, you know, what that quality of life in that community is um, and convey that to uh, a targeted audience of people who are ready to move somewhere new. And then those individuals can actually apply through the website to the program. And then we um, have technology on the back end that helps support the individuals as they go through that decision-making process. One, it can connect them with folks in the community, connect them to different resources, help them learn things about the community, like, you know, are the schools good? Do they have childcare? Do they have co-working space? Um, what's the restaurant scene look like, et cetera, et cetera. And then once those individuals make a decision, then it's our job to help make sure that they convert and that they land in that community. Um, so it's effectively, um, a, a, the, to me, the most fun part is actually helping the community understand what their value proposition is. I can't tell you how many mayors I've spoken to who you say, okay, how, you know, how many people do you know in your community that love it? that are evangelists who would gladly, you know, tell the world about why they love their community and why they live there. And they're all like, oh yeah, I could name 30 right now. And then you ask them, well, what are they doing for you? And a lot of them don't really have any way to deploy those people and deploy those evangelists and actually get some leverage from them in terms of, of this activity of recruiting new residents. So um, we're giving them a platform to be able to capture their stories and help them actually participate in the process of recruiting new residents. You know, when you talk about providing incentives, it's something that cities and towns are, are used to, whether it's a tax abatement or some other sort of economic approach to luring the business, not necessarily people, but you know, it's a, it's a shift to provide incentives to people. And in fact, we've heard a little bit of pushback from economists. What, what do you say to those folks that don't think we ought to be using incentives to attract people, rather, you know, push those dollars into quality of place type investments, uh, more of the build it and they will come mentality rather than direct in incentives to individuals trying to bring them back to your or <clears throat> community. Well, what I would always say is investments in quality of place are always a good, you know, well, not always, but I think they're a good investment, right? It, it makes sense for a community to have those amenities that are gonna help attract people. But what I would also say is we can walk and chew gum at the same time, right? And when you look at the return on investment from these individuals, the math makes sense. In fact, in some ways, you know, when you land a new worker, you're helping to finance and fund um, some of those quality of life investments that are, and those quality of place investments that are being made because you're, it's a revenue generating activity it's creating a new stream of revenue from that individual who's bringing their job with them. They're typically high wage individuals, high income individuals. So you get incremental tax revenue for the state and the locals. You get a bunch of new consumer spending. Oftentimes they bring you know, a spouse or a partner with them that is either a remote worker also, or is going to work in the community 
um, for an employer in the community. And if they have kids, they're also, you know, adding more um, population to the schools. Um, so in terms of economic impact, they're a huge win. And it's a scalable activity with, with high ROI. So I don't understand why we wouldn't be uh, marketing to these individuals, especially right now with the opportunity that we have with this new market of geographic free agents. And we, have, we already have a lot of great quality of place in Indiana. I know we have ready grants that are going to be adding more to that. And I think that's a wonderful thing. But there are great stories to tell in all kinds of communities across the state. Let's tell them and get some people to, to come here and become Hoosiers. Yeah, great, great points. I think, you know, specifically, I guess, this past legislative, legislative session, there was a, a monumental bill for a variety of reasons that the past Senate ruled Act 361. Part of that bill pertains directly to what we're talking about here. So I guess, you know, for folks listening, maybe just in bullet point fashion, what can we do now with the passage of 361 that we were not allowed to do before? Sure. So um, I'll give you a little bit of an origin story, try not to be too long winded. But, you know, we've been traveling around the state for several years now. And every time we came into a, um, a mayor's office or an economic developer's office and they love the idea about the things we were doing to attract new talent to the community. Funding was just always an issue, right? Identifying a way to fund the project was always an issue. And so um, we actually thought um, TIF might be an interesting way to be able to fund or finance these talent attraction activities because you're generating incremental tax revenue. And we started working on that and it, you know, it got pretty complex, you know, um, it might, I still think that's something we could take on here in the next year or two. Um, but uh, what we ended up discovering, and we worked with Adam Barry at the Indiana Chamber early on in, in developing this legislation. Um, what we found was that there were a ton of uh, accounts, bank accounts in municipalities and counties, cities and towns um, that were effectively going unused because they were limited use, right? And so what the legislation did was effectively offer flexibility for that, uh, that town or city or county to be able to create a talent fund that would be managed by a board that would be appointed by the executive. And then funds could be transferred into that fund from some of those limited use accounts. For instance, if you had excess TIF dollars that were laying around, those could be transferred into the talent fund and then could actually fund uh, a project to, um, to market the city or town, uh, to recruit talent, to retain talent. Um, it's very, the language is very broad. So there's a lot of different things you can do with this. And a community has to be intentional. You know, just the idea of setting up a talent fund that can help go towards funding some of these things is an, an intentional act that I think points the community in the right direction. Yeah, very much so. And, and it's also, you know, home rule. Right. Sure. You know, I mean, it's empowering them to be able to use some of those funds on what they see needs to be done within that community. You know, even before the legislation passed this few months ago, you were already working with a couple communities in Indiana and, and others outside of Indiana. What are some of your early lessons learned from them? What kind of data? I know you've talked a lot about it. once you get somebody to move to a community, 
what that means from a, a return on investment economic footprint that that new person brings, you know, and how it snowballs over time. And, you know, I, I think it's also important to, to talk a little bit about goals that some of these communities are setting. They're not trying to attract 10,000 new people into the, you know, city of Muncie. They're trying to attract, you know, tens of people at a time, but the, the impact of that is pretty substantial, right? Oh, it's, it's extraordinary. You know, I mean, if, I mean, Tulsa, Oklahoma is um, doing thousands of people, right? Since 2018, they've attracted 1,600 new households um, to Tulsa through their remote Tulsa program. Um, and the economic impact in that is in the um, hundreds of millions of dollars. So, um, you know, it's, it's certainly a worthwhile activity that's scalable. Um, we've started small, you know, so we started in communities in Indiana, targeting, you know, typically anywhere from five to 20, just to, you know, just to prove out and make everybody comfortable with the concept and show them that it works. And now that we're entering year two of some of these programs, the numbers are increasing. For instance, you know, West Lafayette and the Purdue Research Foundation, uh, they want to recruit 100 this year. Uh, Muncie, Indiana wants to target 45 people. Uh, uh, Radius, Indiana, which is a regional economic development corporation down in Southwest Indiana, they have five counties and they're targeting 45 people. Um, and those are some of those communities are very rural communities. Uh, so uh, across the state of Indiana, we're targeting over 250 new households into the state this year. Um, which when you think about that, if we're just starting at this, it's a really big number. And when you actually do the math and the economic impact, it becomes very impressive. Have you seen anything happen when you get folks to move into a community that as a remote worker, for instance, you know, for instance, in Indiana, somebody moved to Jasper uh, from wherever, have you seen local companies try to poach these folks once they're in the communities? Does that happen? For sure. Um, you know, I mean, we actually coach, uh, for instance, Purdue, you know, up at Purdue, they have companies like Saab, GE Aviation, Schweitzer Electric. Um, you know, these are companies that are looking for the specific type of talent that works remotely and that's participating in that program. Um, so we're encouraging them to do things like, like host a networking event at the co-working space. You know, have some folks from your company there so you can get to know people and get, you know, line of sight into wh who these folks are and maybe potentially um, bring them into your company. Uh, one thing I know is that geographic proximity does matter, right? If you think about it, you probably don't know any of the companies that are that are located in Rochester, New York. But if you move to Rochester, New York, six months after, you know, living there, you would have a really good understanding of who the big companies are and who the big players are. Um, so you would become familiar with them, which means you would suddenly be part of the local talent pool and, you know, uh, available for them to go and recruit you. So we absolutely see that as a, um, as a, an impact on the local community. Yeah. It might be more reason, you know, if I'm in the administration and Jasper use my example and, we sign up with Make My Move and somehow we recruit somebody to move to Jasper that was living in Nebraska and working as an engineer at Rolls-Royce. Suddenly, 
I tell my friends at Jasper Engines that uh, we've got a high-tech engineer here. You might want to go talk to him or her, and it just sort of snowballs from there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we we, we also have, um, I don't have an exact number, but it, I think it's around 20% of the households that are moving are coming with a spouse or a partner who is taking a job with a local employer. Yeah. Once you have somebody in a, a community, incentivize them and convince them to move to wherever you are how do you keep them there what uh wow. retention strategies do you guys use to work with these <clears throat> communities sure so a lot of the times when we're designing incentives we're actually designing them with retention in mind right so we want to give them as many on ramps to be part of the community and to integrate into that community as possible so we might include things like you know memberships as a you know a chamber member um, in Greensburg, they did a seat at the table for a lot of their not-for-profit or community dinners that they have. Um, co-working space is a good thing, giving them membership at co-working space. Uh, but none, nonetheless, when we're designing these incentive programs, we want them to, to um, give these individuals ways to get to know people, to participate in the community, contribute. And really, that at the end of the day is the key to all things, right? If they feel welcomed, if they start to establish a network and they start to feel like they're part of the community, those are the things that are gonna keep them in that community. Great stuff, Mike. What have I missed? Uh, I guess the, the basics, tell everybody the uh, Make My Move website address and how they can get more information on, on your product. Sure, uh, we're at makemymove.com. Uh, and, and if you'd like to just email me directly, you can email me, it's mike at makemymove.com. Well, thanks, Mike, for joining us. I'm sure we'll be uh, touching base regularly. It's uh, great to see this kind of program and product here in Indiana. Um, just really appreciate you coming on the podcast today. Thanks a bunch. Thanks for having me. appreciate you guys. This AIM Hometown Innovations podcast was sponsored by Indiana American Water.